listen, if you are trying to discern the Lord's will, but you're not spending time in the Word and you're not praying and asking for guidance, you are a lost ship at sea. Like you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're not. I mean, any big decision I've made, I've had people ask yeah. me, like, how did you know it was the right thing to do? Yeah. And I can honestly point back to pieces of scripture. Literally, it's through His Word. Hi, my name is Callie. And on this podcast, hindsight is everything. Our goal is to look back on seasons we've been through and help prepare those about to face the same things. There's something powerful in knowing you're not alone and knowing someone has gone before you. So I gather up some great people. I ask them all the questions I can think of. And then hopefully by the end, we're better than when we started. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to No One Told Me. So leading into this specific episode, we had a lot of people asking about purpose and what God has called them to do, how they know they're doing what God's called them to do, um, kind of that reassurance. Also, how do you figure out what God's calling you to do? And I know that my friend Devin, she has partnered with an organization called Street Hope Tennessee, and she speaks about this organization with so much conviction and purpose, and I just know she is a person who, without a doubt, knows she's doing what God has called her to do. So I thought, Devin, you're coming on here with me, and you are going to tell us how you figured out this is what God (laughs) wanted you to do. But before we jump into all that, tell us a little bit about yourself, Devin, just kind of some of your background and what you love, maybe not so much, where you are in life, all that. Not so much. (laughs) The things you could do without. Okay. So um, my name is Devin Payne, and I'm the executive director of Street Hope, Tennessee. Obviously, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I'm from Knoxville, went to Powell, because I'm a Powell girl, and then graduated from UT. Um, married, and I'm about to have a child. Your first, first baby. Supposed to be three weeks, maybe less, <laughs> maybe less. We're not sure. You're so close. You're so close. <laughs> Literally, by the time this airs, you probably will have a baby. Yeah, maybe. That's and so keep that in mind, everyone. Yeah. The, the lady you're us. talking to is going to be a mother for the first time. Yes. You're very calm for a first time. I mom. really appreciate that. Yes, I mean it's just. But as soon as you decide, hey, I'm going to figure this out as you go. It is calming. It is what it is. You know, <laughs> this Lord. baby's coming. <laughs> the Lord created us mm-hmm. and he equips us to do what he calls us to do. That's where we are in life. So yeah, but about to have a baby and then just, you know, working at Street Hope and doing those kinds of things. And So growing up in school, yes, we talked about what you do now. What did you think you wanted to do? Like what path <laughs> were you like, this is, yeah, like even yeah. <laughs> in college, like I chose this major because I knew I was going to do this, this or this. I mean, where yeah. were you? So this is kind of a long story, but I'm going to make it short. Growing up, I grew up in a home where my dad's an elder at our church. My mom leads women's ministry and speaks at events and um, came to know the Lord very young and just have always been passionate about kingdom work. And I always thought I was going to be a full-time missionary overseas in Kenya. Wow, that is. <laughs> I know, not what I'm doing. Now. That is big. I mean, um, that's not just like I was going to go into marketing. It's yeah, like I was going to no, live in another country. Yeah. You know, I just always felt called to missions. And actually, the summer between my sophomore and my junior year of high school, I lived in Salama, Kenya for the summer, just trying to figure out what direction the Lord had for me. And he closed the door on that. So I always thought I was going to do that. When I was a senior in high school, my sister died in a car accident. 
And it kind of changed the trajectory of everything that I was Mm -hmm. doing because she was three years older than me. And my sister's heart was for the least of these. She was known for like picking up homeless people off the street, (laughs) giving them her clothes, my clothes, everybody's clothes. It's kind of like I tell people all the time. It's kind of like when she passed away, the Lord took her heart for the least of these and kind of gave it to me. And then she also had a history of sexual abuse that we didn't know about until right before she passed away. And I had seen how it had wreaked havoc on her life and how Mm -hmm. Satan can convince somebody who loves the Lord that they are unworthy. And in her words, I'm too filthy for God to use me to do anything. Mm -hmm. And that's the lies of Satan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so the Lord kind of used this scripture, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, to lead me to where I am now. And, And that scripture says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because God's anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of our God, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn and grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland of beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they'll be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And what happened is that's the scripture the Lord began to use Mm -hmm. to bring my sister to a point of restoration and realizing this isn't my fault. I'm not too filthy. And God doesn't just put band-aids on our brokenness. He makes beauty out of ashes and restores our joy. And so when she passed away, those were her theme verses. Then they became my theme verses Mm -hmm. and kind of led me. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that it was something for the least of these. Mm -hmm. And then um, whenever I was in college, 2012, I went to Passion, and that's the year they launched um, the 27 Million Campaign. Hey, there's 27 million slaves in the world today, more than any other time and history combined, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So I started pursuing nonprofit so that I could work in the counter-trafficking movement. But then whenever I graduated college, there wasn't really anything going on here in Knoxville yet around that. So I started working for another nonprofit here in Knoxville and did substance abuse education and prevention. And I really honestly got really comfortable there and mm-hmm. I loved my job. And I thought that I would be there forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought maybe God, maybe you used you know, this vision of trafficking to get me into nonprofit. So I would do this. And that's kind of where I was very comfortable. I would say that 25 times. I was really comfortable. (laughs) You felt good doing what you were doing. Good, because I knew what I was doing. Yeah. I felt like I... There was no unknown to it. No, not at all. So when God did shut that door to Kenya, you lost your sister. Mm -hmm. How did you navigate? Okay, this door is shut. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on in my life right now. How in the world do I figure out yeah, what so, I do now. so my sister died in 2009. I went to Passion January of 2012. I was living in Kenya the summer of 2012. Mm-hmm. So I had gone to Passion. I had felt the Lord leading me still into that counter-trafficking direction. Mm-hmm. But I thought that that was overseas, very mission, like overseas mission-minded. And then I went to Kenya that summer to kind of figure out what the heck am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And the Lord just made it very clear. And I don't even know how to explain it. I did not hear a voice out loud, yeah. obviously. But Devin, thank you for your willingness to come here. But this isn't it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going back home. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went home. At that point, I had been on a nutrition path at UT. Yeah. Because I thought I could get my RDA, my registered dietitian. I could go teach people about eating and yeah. whatever overseas and, and help them mm-hmm. grow gardens and you yeah. know, whatever. And so came home four days before my junior year of college and changed to nonprofit, not knowing what yeah. the Lord was calling me to, but knowing I was not going 
to be in Kenya knowing I would be serving here. I just didn't know what that looked like at the time. When you're seeking God's will, like when you're trying to, like you feel, okay, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I know there's something else for me to do. How do you figure out what your next steps are? I mean, are there some things that you know consistently? If I go this way, like if I Mm -hmm. land here, if I study on this, if I dwell on this. I know a lot of people struggle with how do you know when you're hearing God's voice and when you're just fighting your own emotions or accepting your own emotions? Yeah. So that's a hard question, but I will say this. I've had a lot of people encourage me in this, and I found this just in the Word over and over again where you see the Lord talking about it. But God doesn't always sit there and say, all right, this is what you're going to do right this second and this second and this Mm -hmm. second. He says, hey, walk in obedience to what I'm calling you to now. And I will lead and I will direct and I will guide you. And I think sometimes we get stuck going, what is my purpose? Mm -hmm. And so instead of continuing to walk and pursue the Lord and seek Him, we just sit there until He tells us what. Yes. We just wait (laughs) for. God, you haven't told me what to do yet. (laughs) You haven't written this in the sky just yet. So I'll just keep waiting. And that's not, that's not, that's not obedience. Because Mm -hmm. what I found was I remember, so when I was in college, I did an internship at a nonprofit, and then I took the, a job at that nonprofit right out of college, knowing that's not what I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. it was nonprofit. From there, I got the job at the next nonprofit, Yeah, and that's the one I was really comfortable at, and then I ended up at Street Hope. And I remember sitting there one day at that first job going, this is not what I want to do with my life. Yes. Like, Lord, you told me. You said me, nonprofit. I'm at yeah, nonprofit. Is this God, it? Yeah, yeah. Lord, you told me nonprofit. You told me trafficking. You told me this is the way walk in it. And I don't see that anymore anywhere around me. And why am I not there, God? I know what you've called me to do. So mm-hmm. why can't I be there? Mm-hmm. And it was the most humbling experience I've probably ever had because it was literally like he said, because you're not ready. Mm-hmm. And that's so humbling to know like mm-hmm. God has to fashion and work in us and shape us to be and equip us to do the things that he asked for us to do. And even today, I can look back five years ago, six years ago, and go, Lord, I was miserable here, or I didn't enjoy this or whatever, but I see what you taught me there. And that I would have had no idea how to do what I'm doing right this second if I hadn't have learned that there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You can look back and see yeah. how you were equipped yeah. and trained and, and yeah. ready to do something that you didn't think yeah. you'd ever do. And in the midst of it, I knew I would not stay there. I mm-hmm. knew that that was not the Lord's purpose for me was to be there forever. Mm-hmm. But I was walking. I was trusting. And then spending time, listen, like if you are trying to discern the Lord's will, but you're not spending time in the Word Amen. and you're not mm-hmm. praying and asking for guidance, you are a lost ship at sea. Like mm-hmm. you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're not. I mean, any big decision I've made, I've had people yeah. ask me, like, how did you know it was the right thing to do? Yeah. And any big decision I've made, I can honestly point back to pieces of scripture mm-hmm. where I was studying it. I was in it. And God was just so clear yeah. through that scripture of what he wanted me to do. Yeah. And like you said, he doesn't speak to me audibly. Like yeah. I don't hear his voice yeah. in my head. <laughs> and I'm like, that's God's voice. Like, yeah, literally it's through his word. It's yeah. why it's called his word. You and, know, I yeah, mean, <laughs> and he's so sweet because he's my husband and I joke that like every major decision we've ever had to make in life, the Lord has made it blatantly mm-hmm. obvious to us when mm-hmm. we are supposed to change and do and what, whether it's something we want to do or we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reading last week in my quiet time how it says that, you know, this shepherd his sheep know his voice so well Mm -hmm. that they won't follow anyone else Mm -hmm. because they know the sound of his voice. Mm -hmm. And you can't know and discern the spirit and discern the leading of the Lord if you're not (laughs) 
spending yep. time with him. You know, even in seasons of, you Girl. know, just to be, yeah, completely yeah. honest right now. Yeah. Like I've been, I feel like I've been seeking him for, I would say literally it has to be six mm-hmm. to seven months now. Yeah. And I know what it feels like when I hear him yeah. and when he's directing me. Mm-hmm. And in this season, he's not. Yeah. And it's not that he's not. I'll take Mm-mm. that back. It's not that he's not directing me. He's saying, it's wait. That he wants me to sit in this for a yeah. little while. He's still and I know. want to rush through it. And I yeah. want to just make a quick decision mm-hmm. and say, this is it. This is yeah. what I know you want me to do. But I don't know that yet. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so in those seasons, uh, there are times, like you said, where he's so obvious. Mm-hmm. And he has been that way for me. Mm-hmm. Until this season where every decision was pretty easy because he's made it so clear and I didn't question it. And now we're in a season of, okay, this, and he's like, I'm not going to, it's not always as easy as you think it is. Like, and in the, what are you going to choose in those seasons? Are you going to, in the waiting? Yeah. yeah, Are you going to go find people to tell you what to do? Or will you search for me, look for me and wait for me until I tell you go? And when he answers, it's so sweet. It is. And it's like those moments where you said you look back at these jobs that you were like, Mm -hmm. this is not what I want to be doing, but you see how he used them. Mm -hmm. And so now that you are at Street Hope, why did you end up at Street Hope, do you think? (laughs) Why, how? So when I told you that Jeremy and I kid about how the Lord, (laughs) he must must think we just aren't very smart to catch on. He he knows how obvious he is. Yeah, because um, so kind of this is exactly what happened. I told you about my sister and how, you know, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, those were our theme verses for her life. Because basically when she told my mom that she had been sexually abused, my mom read her that scripture, and that's when my sister said, Mom, that's what I've always wanted to do with my whole life is to serve the Lord and to do that for people, but God can't use me because I'm too filthy. Mm. And my mom said, No! <laughs> like, that's not what I mean. This is what God has done for you, Jordan. Like, God makes beauty out of ashes, and He doesn't just put Band-Aids. He literally restores when He says He causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him. And He has plans for us, plans to prosper us and not to ho- harm us, to give us a hope and a future. Like, He means it. And so, you know, God had begun to restore in her heart just just to bring restoration over that. And then he chose to take her home. Why? Because he's sovereign and, you know, his ways are higher than my ways. Um, But what happened is when she passed away, those were Jordan's verses. And then when I was at Passion that year in 2012, you could give money to the counter-trafficking movement to some of the counter-trafficking organizations. And so I did it in honor of my sister. So I wrote her name down and I started writing out her verses. And when I started writing them out, I was going, oh, my goodness, Lord, that's what these verses are about. So they became my verses, like my life verses. And there's a point of me telling you all this, I promise. And so (laughs) I started clinging to those going, Lord, this is what you want me to do to serve the least of these. And so in 2016, I had been working at this other organization for two and a half years and I loved it and I was comfortable. I said that 25 times. But the Lord started stirring in my heart. Okay, so there's here's your sign. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> stirring in my heart. I honestly thought I would work there until I had a baby and then yeah. I'd go home and I'd be a stay-at-home mom. That's what we had always felt like we had been called to do. Then all of a sudden I'm sitting here and I'm going, man, I love this job, but I'm struggling because I have all these kids disclosing really hard things mm-hmm. to me. And because I'm in the public school system, I can't share the gospel freely with them mm-hmm. as a whole. And I was really struggling with that. I mean, 8,000 kids a year that I'm talking to. Yeah. And what can you do? Yeah. yeah. And so it wasn't enough to make me want to leave because also God calls people to be light and yeah. salt and light into those places. And so I was struggling with that kind of August through October and at that time, around October that year, Street Hope's executive director had to step down, and they were looking for a new executive director. I knew nothing about Street Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and by the way, we're a faith-based nonprofit <laughs> that focuses on bringing an end to child sexual exploitation and trafficking of kids. And mm-hmm. so, anyways, the executive director had left, and they're looking for somebody. By they, I mean the board. And they're praying through it. And they had a, several people apply for the job. And they were just going, you know, Lord, for whatever reason, you keep closing the door on all these people. So they, as they were praying, they felt like the Lord was leading them to talk to Tracy Ammons. That's my mom. Um, about taking this job. And my mom didn't know these people. I mean, mm. barely at all. And so they took her to lunch and said, hey, we feel like God's called us to talk to you about leading this organization. And my mom was like, what? <laughs> um, you know, this is an awesome organization. I'm flattered, but I really don't know anything about this. I don't mm-hmm. feel led to do this. But maybe you need to talk to my daughter, Devin. I was 24 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and in case you don't know anything about nonprofit, it's like absurd to have a 24-year-old as your executive I, I director. I did not realize you were only 24 <laughs> at the time. I was very young. Um, and so they were just kind of, I think they kind of responded like, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we will if it yeah. means that you might take this job. <laughs> Yeah, and they kind of told them about my heart for trafficking and how I was I was volunteering for another organization here in Knoxville that was a counter-trafficking organization, and she was kind of telling them my heart for that, and, and they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll think about it, you know, whatever. <laughs> so they never they never called me, and yeah. I didn't want them to call me. Honestly, my mom came home, and she told me, I think I just threw you under the bus. <laughs> I think I just signed <laughs> you up for something. Yeah, and she said, uh, this is what's going on. I told them about you, and I, and I said, well, <laughs> you know, mom, that's not what I want to do. I said, I know that God's called me to work in the counter-trafficking movement at some point in my life, but me being prideful thought that I knew what that looked like. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to serve the kids and I wanted to be down in the, mm-hmm. you know, in the pits doing this stuff. And I didn't want to lead an organization. I didn't know anything about leading an organization. And to be honest, the biggest sin that I struggle with is fear of man. Mm-hmm. Not like, Hey, I have to make all these people like me, but like, oh my gosh, what are people going to th- think when they hear me? Like, did mm-hmm. they think this? Did they think yeah. that? Did I, did, you know? Especially on a public platform. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it. I didn't feel equipped. And I, I said, I'll talk to him if they call the board chair. I'll talk to him if he calls me because I don't close doors. The Lord opens, but there's just no way. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and honestly, logistically, it just didn't work mm-hmm. for us. I mean, we were, we were a new married couple and it was a part-time position at the mm-hmm. time no benefits and I was going ah, <laughs> I can't do this yeah um and so I didn't think anything about it and I kept working through Christmas and whatever and um in December the counter-trafficking organization that I was volunteering for they did a volunteer spotlight that month and they did it on me so my whole testimony about my sister and why I'm passionate about trafficking went out to anybody that got that newsletter. And when the board got that newsletter, all of a sudden I got a phone call. And there they were going, was. Mm-hmm. They were saying, hey, maybe we need to talk to you. Um, I agreed to go and meet with just the board chair himself. And and I said, I'll come and talk to you because da 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 But I'm just going to tell you, I don't think I'm the girl for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, this is what you, were ta- we were, you and I were talking about earlier. I was making up every excuse for why I did not need to take this job. God, I'm too young. People are going to think we're crazy. I don't know what I'm doing. And when I'm saying spending time in the Word and seeking His face, when you get rebuked, you get rebuked with Scripture. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) So this is what I started hearing, literally. Devin, who was Timothy and who was David? Who was Mary? Who was Joseph? Who were these people? Oh, they were they were young. And what did I use them to do? Here, let me show you. This is let me remind you. Oh, and by the way, um, I don't need you 
I use the weak things of the world to prove myself strong and my power is perfected in your weakness. And oh, by the way, Esther, you can choose to step up. But if you don't, I will raise up somebody else because mm-hmm. it's not about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. But who knows? I could have appointed you at this position for such a time as this. Um, so when I say I went to that meeting kicking and screaming, like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah. But I went humbled because I said, okay, Lord, if you're calling me to do this, you're calling me here because I'm not equipped. And when you're not equipped, you have to rely on him mm-hmm. for everything. And I'm still not equipped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, it's every day knowing yeah. I'm not equipped. So yes. basically uh, showed up at that meeting with the executive director and he sat down in front of me and said, let me tell you I'm passionate about the counter trafficking movement. In Luke 4, he says, Jesus stands up in the synagogue and says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because God is anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61. Did my mom tell you about that verse? <laughs> Did she tell you to say that? Yeah. Did she tell you that? And he was like, what are you talking about? So I shared my testimony with him. And then we were both sitting there going, Lord, what are you doing? And he literally sat down with me and said, Devin, there are a lot of people that have applied for this job that are a lot more qualified than you. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, the Lord will not allow us to pursue those people for this position. And so when I left that meeting, I got in the car going, what just happened? Mm. Lord, you were obviously present there. And I think I kind of left there knowing if they offered me the job, I was supposed to take it, even though it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. So they had asked me to come back the next week for an interview with the whole board. And in the meantime, I was like, I should probably learn about this organization. <laughs> I should probably see what they're <laughs> about. I don't know anything about them. <laughs> I didn't think this was going anywhere. Yeah. And whenever I got home, I got on Street Hope's website and our theme verses are Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. So when you and asked, so that was already their theme verse. Oh, yes. I did not create this. Before you, because I was under the impression that you brought that verse with you. No, girl. Like, no. And that's how the Lord just confirmed this is the this way I walk it. in it. Uh, yeah. This is literally like a huge sign pointing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, it, and that's the thing about that scripture is it has, I mean, I know we're not talking about this today, but it has guided everything, including the home that we're working on. Like it's interweaved. Mm-hmm. He's interweaved it and everything. And mm-hmm. so when I told you God has been very obvious mm-hmm. about stuff like this, people sometimes I think that they would assume yeah, Devin was passionate about trafficking. I'm sure she jumped at that job. I did not want this yes. job. And there are days where I still go, God, I have no Should I be doing this? idea. Mm-hmm. I am not equipped to do this. Mm-hmm. But you are faithful to lead. And that's kind of where we are today. Mm-hmm. Those lies that keep popping in to your head, even still today, and the ones that probably are the same ones that popped into your head when you started, yeah. you know, like <laughs> they still, they don't just go away. Like, the devil knows our weakest points oh, yeah. and knows the wounds to stick his finger in and tear them around a little bit. How do you battle those lies? So it's so funny. You're the second person I've talked to about this today <laughs> because, again, I'm going to like I probably sound like I'm hitting people over the head with a Bible. But one of the biggest things that people struggle with is being able to discern the lies of Satan from the truth of God's sure. word. And so if you are spending time in his word and abide in me and and, and I will abide in you mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as you're abiding in Christ and you're filling up on that scripture, what happens is that you learn that when those, you know, that scripture I told you about earlier, whenever it says the sheep know their shepherd's mm-hmm. voice and mm-hmm. they don't follow anybody else. You can discern the lies of Satan, and when you discern those lies, then you refute them with truth. Mm-hmm. You learn <laughs> you the voice. literally mm-hmm. learn. I mean, what did Jesus do when Satan led him out into the desert? Mm-hmm. He refuted the lies of Satan, the temptations of Satan with truth. And so I have a really good friend who loves the Lord, and Satan had her convinced the other day, and I mean, passionately loves the Lord, 
he had her convinced that she didn't know Jesus. <laughs> and the reason why um, is because, and she has a powerful testimony. And the reason why is because he had convinced her that if she really loved Jesus and she was a follower of Jesus, then when she first received Christ 10 years ago, that she wouldn't have continued doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So we had to sit down and go, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and you know, some of us might hear that and yeah. be like, oh, I wouldn't struggle with that. But for her, that was her yeah. thing. And yeah. we have our things. Our things. Like we have the our one things. thing that Satan knows, if I say this enough, yeah, they're going to believe it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And for her, it was, if you really loved me, you wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And what, what happened is we went to the scripture and, and I said, okay, first of all, when we first received Christ and the Holy Spirit— we are changed. We are saved at that moment, but we are being sanctified for the rest of our life. And part of that is as we get to know the Lord and read scripture, we learn what he says is wrong. And then we follow that or we repent and turn from those things we were doing. But it's not an automatic because I know Jesus. I'm, I'm going to do everything <laughs> yeah. right. I'm ready. Exactly. I will not sin again <laughs> ever. So, yes. Exactly. And so first of all, I said, number one, you can't expect for your whole life that you had been living to have changed that moment. But number two, we may fall into sin as believers. It's the fact that we don't continue in it. Mm-hmm. We're convicted by it. We repent. But God says that the moment that we confess our sin before him, he casts it as far as the east is from the west, and he doesn't bring it back up again. Mm-hmm. Now, if we fall we into— We bring it back up. We bring it back up. Yeah. Satan brings it back mm-hmm. up. And so if we fall into sin again, and it's a, it's the same sin or similar, yeah, we're going to be convicted about mm-hmm. it. But when we confess it before the Lord and ask for his strength to overcome those things, he does not remind us of that. And so it's about going, who says this kind of stuff to me? <laughs> yeah, like who? Because it's not God. <laughs> yeah. Reminding me of what I'm, what yeah, I'm not good at, no. what I'm less than, and we also have to remember this. And it's so the Lord is so sweet. Like Jesus says that He searches our hearts, He knows our heart and our mind, like even more than we do. And mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, searches our hearts, and intercedes for us on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. Mm-hmm. He knows He re- He can read our thoughts. <laughs> he can put thoughts into our head. Satan has not doesn't have all authority and power. Mm-hmm. He may be able to throw darts and lies at us. He can't read our mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but God can. Yes. He knows our hearts and he knows those things. And so it's about being able to say, okay, who is this that is speaking this into my life? Is this the Lord or is this Satan? And when we identify that, then we can throw truth at it and mm-hmm. say, this is what God says about it. You know, as you were starting this out and you felt unequipped, you felt not ready, you felt like... I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyway, because I know this is what you have for me. I know it. I mean, even in our conversations where you talk about where Street Hope was, and I know where it's at now, Mm -hmm. did you a little bit feel like, okay, I'm starting from scratch here. Like, I'm a little overwhelmed. How did you, I mean... I just feel like I would. Yes, I just feel like I know. Yes, (laughs) as soon as you said it, the theme song started in my head. Um, Uh, But truly, I think a lot of us, when we're like, okay, we will be obedient, mm -hmm. but it's so overwhelming to think about what. To be honest, when I was hired at Street Hope, there had never been a full-time executive director. Mm. We had always historically done awareness. So like training people in the community and then getting people to pray together against trafficking. But it was it was very small. And they hired me on full-time and basically said, hey, we're hiring you full-time. But if you don't bring in more money before October, you're not going to have a job. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> because, that is so much pressure. Yeah. And God had made it very clear that this is the way that we are supposed to be walking in. It's better to be walking in obedience and trusting the Lord than to be walking in disobedience. 
And if God chose to lead us down that path, and that did happen in October, because he, he just wanted to teach us mm-hmm. something, that we would trust him that he was but still But you faithful. knew you had been obedient. You but knew I knew you I'd had been, been obedient. Mm-hmm. And so I started out, and I remember I, they gave me, like, all these, like, binders and all this stuff and I had financials and our financial statements were on Excel spreadsheets and like I mean all this stuff and I'm going Lord I don't even know how to do this and literally it was just give me direction so what did I start doing is it was just one step at a time Mm -hmm. what do I know how to do okay well I'm really OCD I'm like type A so I like everything to be organized so let's get everything organized first Mm -hmm. I started with what I knew and did that. And then the Lord gave wisdom where we needed it. And then he continued as we were walking and, you know, building a new website and mm-hmm. trying to get churches on board because we're a hundred percent funded by it. We're a faith-based nonprofit. So hundred percent funded by churches and individuals. And how do we start doing that? Honestly, it was just step-by-step walking in obedience to the Lord. And then God just started opening incredible doors that I never, yeah. you know, God says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we could ever ask or imagine. And that is why you were saying, talking earlier about how sometimes in the waiting, we're going, do we ask somebody? Do we wait? Do we whatever? Mm -hmm. But when we wait, (laughs) he literally, his option and his choice and what he chooses to do is a hundred times better than anything Mm -hmm. I could have ever come Mm -hmm. up with on my own. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and someone, I had this conversation with them too, about just this season of how do you know if you're making a good decision? Like what Mm -hmm. if God gives you, what if you have several options and you don't know which one Mm -hmm. that God wants you to follow? And some of the best advice I've ever been given in that realm was when you are following God's will, when Mm -hmm. you know you are squarely in it Mm -hmm. and you are striving to listen to him and hear from him, he's not going to let you make a bad decision. If you are in his will, if you are pursuing his Amen. will for your life, he's going to redeem every decision you make. Even if you, maybe it's not the one he put right in front of you and like do this one, he's not going to let you make a bad decision. Yeah. Even if you in the middle of it feel like this was a bad decision. Or even if everybody else is telling you you are yes. insane yes. for doing it. He's just not. Yeah, yeah, like this. I mean, he's just not going to let it happen. And yeah. so, I mean, to anyone who is struggling through mm-hmm. what they're called to do and what their gifting is, what would your encouragement be to them? Because you flew blind for a little bit. I think we all have to go through I these feel like seasons. I'm still yeah. blind. <laughs> like you're still, we're going to go through these seasons where we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Or truthfully, we're all, I've said this so many times on this podcast, but we're all trying to figure it out. Oh, and I think yeah. we just have to see that in each other, that no one has mm-hmm. any market cornered. But yeah. for someone who is trying to figure out, they know that God is calling them to something yeah. and maybe they can't, they don't know what it is yet, or mm-hmm. maybe they don't even know what they're gifted to do yet. What would your encouragement be to them? I would say, first of all, you haven't laid it down at the Lord's feet. I mean, he says, ask anything and according to my will and I will do it. And that's what you're I, talking you about. You know, Devin, I wish you knew your Bible better. <laughs> I do. I'm just... Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's where, you know, you think about the scripture, he says, abide in me and I I will abide in you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason we can, if we are abiding in Christ and remaining in him, the reason we can ask anything of him and he will do it is because our will and our hopes and our desires are so in sync with his that we're not asking for what we want. Mm-hmm. We're asking in accordance to his will. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing about that. You may be asking, Lord, give me wisdom, give me this, and he will answer you. But 
it may not be the answer you want. Mm-hmm. And you have to still walk in obedience to that and trust that even though that's not the answer I wanted, it's still the best. Yeah. And it doesn't mean he said no to whatever you asked him for specifically. It could be wait a little bit <laughs> too, mm-hmm. but walk in obedience here. And I can pray for you, Callie, all mm-hmm. I want. <laughs> but until you get before the Lord mm-hmm. and ask him yourself, mm-hmm. th- you're gonna that's that's where you see those things changing and and that's when you're seeking him and you're seeking his desire and his his will and and spend time in the word. I mean, if you're trying to discern this and you're and you don't want to do that, you're trying to skip that step. Mm-hmm. You're you just want gonna, it to happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna end up with heartbreak because you may choose a good path. You mm-hmm. may on your own choose a good path. But at some point, it's going to break off mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because, you know, you can't continue to walk and try to do things in your own accord apart from the Lord mm-hmm. and expect to find your fulfillment. See his and, blessings. Because in mm-hmm. Christ, that's where you find fulfillment and joy. That's what I would say. Start there. Lay it before him. Seek his face. And then whenever he, whatever it is he's leading you to do. Do it. Like walk in obedience, even mm-hmm. if it seems insane. If it's something you don't know anything about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if you're sitting here, like you said, and you're going, oh my gosh, I'm sitting and I'm sitting and I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. Don't be that person that sits there and digs their heels in and says, well, I'm just going to wait until he tells me exactly what to mm-hmm. do. No, continue serving. Mm-hmm. Continue seeking his face. Continue doing. And as you walk in obedience and he's teaching you, he will direct and guide your path. Mm-hmm. But don't sit soaking. My pastor always says this. Don't sit soaking sour. <laughs> like, don't just sit there soak it all in and then not do anything. <laughs> so for you, I mean, Street Hope has seen uh, a lot of growth. In the past little bit. I mean, it's really, I know y'all are doing big things. Yeah. So tell us a little bit what Street Hope is doing now. What it looks like now. Now that you, you know, you know more than just organize it. You kind of started figuring out what to do. So what is it doing I don't know what I'm doing. Um, (laughs) And and what's your hopes for the future? Yeah. The girls on our staff would say the same thing about me for sure, but them as well. And even, it's really cool because some of our, our staff were brought to Street Hope kicking and screaming just like I was. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and that is what has been so cool because so kind of where we were is when I came on, we were doing awareness and, you know, prayer in the community. And the awareness is, you know, training people what is trafficking, what does it look like, how to identify it, how to report it because more people train, yeah. more victims identified. Um, and when I said that God's sovereign and that he places you strategically before <laughs> and teaches you, you know, it's because of a job that I was at before where I was able to come in and I realized – Kids aren't being educated on trafficking, sexual exploitation, and online sexual exploitation, which when people think of trafficking, they think of snatch and grab off the street. They're not thinking about what we see today, which is grooming, like kids being targeted by people acting like they love and care for them. Mm -hmm. And I want to take care of you and I want to buy you nice things and then exploiting them. That's what we see. Um, How are we going to, you know, teach kids that we need to educate more kids to keep you know, to prevent more victims in the first place. And so it was through that that God opened a door for us to work with Knox County Schools and to develop an internet safety video series curriculum for the kids where they're learning about why do I need to be safe online? How am I safe online? And what can happen if I'm not? And that's where we teach them about sexual exploitation and grooming and trafficking and predators. And God is so sovereign that in 2017, it became a requirement for all sixth through ninth graders in public schools in Tennessee to have internet safety. Wow. So okay. now they have to have this mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. And since we released the curriculum in November to the teachers to teach this to the kids, like 900 kids have already been trained just in Knox County. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and so now what's happened is we're working to get it in Blount County and Anderson County and Monroe County. That right there. Mm-hmm. 
was something where I was going, Lord, I don't know anything, but I know prevention because that's what I used to do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to walk in this Start direction. Here. And mm-hmm. so, and he opened those doors. And I mean, when I literally say, I went to the person at Knox County and said, I need to talk to your kids about trafficking. And she said, huh, it's funny you say that, but my teachers, this is the lady that I did the drug education for. My teachers specifically are the ones that are required to teach this information. God knew mm-hmm. that the person that, yeah. that was in charge of that is the, my, was my contact from a previous job. So that's how those kids are getting trained. So we're training these kids, and we're training adults on internet safety. Mm-hmm. And now we've got thousands of adults in Knoxville that have been trained on how to protect their kids mm-hmm. online. You just don't realize what it is. No. And that's what I know with our conversations, I feel like I learned something new about <laughs> what it is that I didn't know. Yeah. Like you said, you think it's just, oh, they, they snatch. I mean, I used to hear terrible stories that people got snatched in the parking lot of Hobby Lobby and got on. <laughs> went on the interstate and they were gone. And that's yeah. all you think it is, is, yeah. oh, well, if I just keep that from happening, then yeah. we're fine. And in reality, we don't even know that that's trafficking. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it could be, most likely it's kidnapping. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? So grooming is a huge part of it. But also, too, East Tennessee has one of the highest rates of opioid addiction in the United States of America. So we have parents, even here in Knoxville, that are exchanging their children for drugs. That just, I mean, I it remember is you saying that not, to me and I couldn't believe yeah. it. And so that's where... If you want to know what's the first thing you can do to get, yeah. to get involved, that's it. Yeah. But then what started happening is of all the kids that are trafficked in, in Tennessee, you know, there's a hundred to 300,000 kids a year in the United States that are at risk of being trafficked. Mm. And we don't actually have a good number on how many here in Tennessee are yeah. on average trafficked. What happens is oftentimes they come into DCS custody with the state. And as they're doing the assessment of the child after they've been taken out of their home, because 70% of trafficking victims that are kids are first victimized by somebody they know in mm-hmm. their own home. So they may be doing the assessments of the kids and then they find out, holy cannoli, this kid was a trafficking victim. Mm-hmm. Well, in the whole state of Tennessee right now, there are zero restoration homes specifically only for children that are survivors of trafficking. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, these kids go to residential facilities, foster care or group homes and are not going to be able to get the mental health treatment and counseling that they need. But mm-hmm. also, aside from that, y'all, we can put all the Band-Aids we want on them, but God's the one that brings healing mm-hmm. and restoration. And mm-hmm. who's telling them about that? Mm-hmm. If Satan can convince my sister who lived in a home with parents that told her every day how much she was loved and adored and poured truth into her, if he can convince her that it was her fault mm-hmm. and that she's filthy and not worthy, can you imagine these kids that don't have that kind of support behind them? And so... God started leading us down a path to work towards opening a safe home for kids. And what happened was, again, literally just seeing a need and going, Lord, we need, we know that we need, it's the body of Christ's job to take care of that. Um, But we don't have the funding. (laughs) We don't have the resources. And no homes exist because right now there's just no standards at the Tennessee state level on what one of these homes should look Mm -hmm. like. So there just wasn't enough resources. And we were praying, going, God, you're leading us here we're going to walk in obedience. You just tell us what to do. And the end of October, beginning of November, I got a phone call from a family that said, hey, Devin, you don't know us, <laughs> um, but uh, we've just sold our business and we've retired and God's laid it on our heart to partner with your organization. We want to help you buy your land and build your house. And I said, you want to do what? <laughs> um, then, I mean, literally what started happening is people were hearing and we weren't out there proclaiming it. It's mm-hmm. just people are 
are hearing it word of mouth and left that meeting with that family and looked at my board chair and said, oh, this is awesome, but I can't do all this by myself. I, I can't do mm-hmm. all these things. I need some help, but I can't hire anybody. I don't have any money. Yeah. We're <laughs> um, a nonprofit, remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, the next morning, a lady called me and said, hey, you don't know me, but I just was talking to this family over here. It was the family that we talked to the day before. And they told him about Street Hope, and she said, me and my husband have decided to add you to our end-of-the-year giving. And I said, oh, okay, great. Thank you so much. And it was a whole salary's worth in one That's check. Insane. So in two days, we had funding for not the whole home, but a, a mm-hmm. large chunk for the home, and then um, for an employee. So that was at the end of November-ish, mm-hmm. kind of, when all this started happening. And then we were meeting with our construction group that's working on this home for us and trying to figure out what it should look like and what it should be like. And our house is going to house girls that are 12 to 17 years old, 10 girls at a time. And so we realized that this other house we were looking at here in Knoxville that we thought we could flip for less money. It was going to be more expensive for the needs that we have. We needed a cl- we needed a classroom. We needed a creative space. We needed a huge kitchen, therapy mm-hmm. space, 10 bedrooms. It was going to be less expensive to build from the ground up. And then also, if you have to rezone a home in, the, in Knox County, you have to tell everybody around you what you're using it for. Mm-hmm. And we don't want people yeah. to know where this house is to keep these girls safe. And so we left that meeting and we were a little discouraged and we we're going, God, you shut this door. What are we supposed to do? And we were out and about driving. Amy says, yeah, you know, I know somebody that, that has a whole lot of land. And I don't know, maybe, I don't even know if it would work, but maybe she would be interested in letting us have some of it or buy some from her. And we're near it. Why don't we just see it? Mm-hmm. And so we drove by there. And when we got there, this lady was there at her house because her house is on the corner of the land. And she looked at us and she was like, I didn't think you'd come out this far. I didn't think you'd come out this far. And that was all she was saying to us. And Amy and I were going, what are you talking about? Yeah. And she said, I have been praying about whether or not I was supposed to offer you my land for this house. And you showed up mm-hmm. here. And I told God, God, I don't want it to be of myself. I want it to be of you. And you showed up and you're here. And I want an offer to give this land to you if you need it, if you want it. That is so <laughs> and incredible. then what came out of that was we didn't know if we could use it or not. Find out that it's already zoned for a group home. Mm-hmm. Why? Because God's sovereign. Yes. We have no explanation. So, that's, and that's, I mean, it's random. It yeah. is so, <laughs> so I just cool. know because You've we shot, yeah, we shot a video for it on that plot yeah. of land. Yeah. And I just remember, I mean, and it's, it's out there and there's no reason it should be zoned for a group home. No. Yeah. No. I mean, it is gorgeous, but literally it's it's out there. And yeah. it's just like, why? What? Well, what? Why here? Yeah. And so that is, when I said the Lord has to be obvious for me, obviously. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's what he has done for us. And since mm-hmm. then, you know, we have just been walking in obedience. And so we've got this land. And now, you know, as we've had needs, we didn't know what this home should look like. We didn't, mm-hmm. you know, we visited other homes or we have questions about licensure or contracts and nobody seems to know how to answer them. We'll literally pray about something and get a phone call and it'll be, hey, Devin, this is so-and-so and this is what I do. And I, I just didn't know, do you need any help with this? <laughs> yes. Well, yes, yes, we do. It's funny. <laughs> funny you should call. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we are. You know, we yeah. launched our capital campaign in November around Thanksgiving. And once we have the funding we need for the home, we'll be able to break Start building. And, mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. Okay. So what can we do? So listeners, yeah. um, obviously we don't know how to build homes. We don't know how to do any of <laughs> that but I know there's every time I sit with you and hear from you it's like I'm ready to go at 100 miles per hour at whatever direction you tell me to go in so 
What can people do to kind of partner with Street Hope, big, small, whatever? A couple of things. We don't have a ton of like hands-on service stuff, at Mm -hmm. at least right now. Before you do anything, the biggest thing, and I said this earlier, like if you want to volunteer Street Hope, if you want to make a difference, the first thing you can do is get trained. Mm -hmm. Learn about trafficking. We offer something called DMST training. It stands for Domestic Minor Sex Trafficking. Mm -hmm. And DMST training equips people to learn what it actually is and what it's not how to identify it and how to report it. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. We had somebody go through a training last Saturday. They called me on Monday and they said, hey, I went to your training Saturday. My daughter's a cosmetologist downtown and she just called me because there's this man that just seems a little different that has been coming in and bringing young girls in and paying for them to get mm-hmm. their hair done, paying for them to get their nails done, mm-hmm. treating them to the works mm-hmm. and multiple times, always you know, different girls, sometimes the same. And when my daughter asked the girls about him and said, hmm, he's like, who is this? And they said, oh, no, he's so nice. Mm. He takes care of us. He buys us nice things. Here's your sign. You need yeah. to call and report that. That's how you start recognizing yes, it. Yes, like seeing that. it, knowing what it is. Yeah, and we would rather mm-hmm. you— It's not re- just a windowless van. It yeah. is. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Um, and we would rather you report something— that you're not sure about, then miss an opportunity mm-hmm. to report it. And you can do it anonymously. Yeah. So that's number one. The other thing you can do is, again, get that training for your kids. You know, we've got that curriculum in the schools, but we also come and do presentations for youth mm-hmm. ourselves. And the biggest thing we want to teach kids is, yes, we're teaching you how to be safe and why you need to be safe, but also saying, hey, if you make a bad decision, we love you mm-hmm. and your decisions don't define you. Mm-hmm. And here's how you get out of it. And we encourage that open lens of communication between parents and kids mm-hmm. during that time too. And then we train parents too. So we can bring in any of those trainings. And then in the meantime, as we are trying to raise funding for the home, something that we're doing. Have you been to a Hope Gathering yet? I haven't. Mm. You all were telling me about them in December. Yes. And I thought this is genius. Yes. So if you love fellowship... <laughs> with people and you want to contribute to like kind of what's going on at the home the lord gave amy just this awesome idea and we started doing hope gatherings and what they are is they're kind of like housewarming parties Mm -hmm. a little bit and basically you host the venue and it could be at your church it could be at your home it could be for 10 people it could be for 50 it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. and then you provide the snacks it could be pie it could be (laughs) i don't care what it is yeah and then we send out the invitations and things for you and what we do is we will basically send out the invitations and where we're registered, the home is registered at. And then when people come to the Hope Gathering, they buy something off of the registry for the home. So they're literally buying towels or sheets. It's a shower or, for the home. Yes. Yes. So you're literally buying and praying over items that these girls are going to be mm-hmm. using. So you bring them to the Hope Gathering. And then when you get there, you fellowship together, you eat together. But then you get like a crash course on what is this home going to be like? Mm-hmm. What's it going to look like? How is a day in the life going to be like for them? And then we'll give you volunteer opportunities on how you can serve Mm -hmm. with us. We say give, pray, share, serve. Here's my plan. I'll say this while you're you're saying it. (laughs) We're going to link to the website, specifically the newsletter, but also, you know, these hope gatherings and everything else. Like you spell those out. You can sign up for them, everything through your all's website. I know that all that's listed on there. And I know a lot Mm -hmm. of people... Love the idea of partnering in these ways. Just because, like you said, not all of us can make huge donations. But right. when you have a heart for something, when you want to be a part of something, there are simple steps right. to jump in on that. So we're definitely going to link to all of those. So if you just heard that and you're like, wait, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> just look at yes. no one told me podcast.com. We're going to have it all linked right there for you. We like to end every episode with one question. 
what is something that you are so happy someone did tell you about? So there's all these things we don't know about in life, but there are some things oh, that we are goodness. super into, whether it's a show, a drink, a food, a book you've read, um, a piece of <gasps> advice someone has said to you, any of those things that you're like, I'm just so happy I know this or that I do this or that I watch this, eat this, read this. That's so funny. Okay. So mine is the best piece of advice that, not even advice, but the best thing that somebody taught me about was in the midst of whenever my sister passed away and it was God was sovereign. Because that's a big word. And what I mean by that is if you don't understand what the sovereignty of God is, that means that God literally causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And what that looks like is this. God chose to take my sister in 2009 when she was 20 years old. He's never going to tell me why he chose to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he doesn't have to because mm-hmm. we're pea-brained and his he's huge. Yes, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Mm-hmm. My ways are higher than yours. But David Platt, in one of his books, I don't know which one. He's got a million. Yep. Uh, probably radical. I'm not sure. <laughs> Could <laughs> um, be, maybe. I don't know. Um, he says, God sees everything from a mosaic tile perspective. How mm-hmm. when you're up close, it looks like a hot mess. That was my word right there, hot mess. He said, David Platt uh, said hot mess. Hot mess. Um, when you look at it up close, it, it, it looks like a mess. But whenever you back away, it makes a beautiful picture. Mm. And God may never choose to tell me why he allowed X, Y, Z to happen. But when he says he makes beauty out of ashes, he literally means it. Mm-hmm. And here's what I know I can rejoice in about my sister is why I don't know why God chose to take her. I've seen the fruit of her life in many ways, including mine, as in I would not have this job Mm -hmm. today if it wasn't for her. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. But also because of the fact that my sister who was broken here on earth is fully restored worshiping around the feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if her life moved me or others towards a goal of opening a safe home where 10 girls Her life was worth it, mm-hmm. and he's still faithful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're not living for it today. And yeah. so, I mean, that was a little deep, but... Hey, listen, here's the deal, is sometimes you know that God puts people <laughs> in your life that are just going to speak truth over you over and over <laughs> and over again. And that's what you are, I know, to so many people, is here's the truth you need to know in this moment. And I know I've felt that sitting here talking to you of <laughs> truths that I needed to be reminded of or needed to be taught right off the bat. So to repay you, Devin, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to deliver your baby. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it twice. Well, you know, this is what I will do for you on your behalf. You did you say I was welcome. pretty chill about this. I know. Thing. I think I've watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. I've experienced <laughs> it twice. I feel like I can do this You're for pro. you. So we've got it covered. Girl. Devin, we're thankful for you. We appreciate so much your passion and your conviction and what you're doing. And again, all the information you need is going to be linked on the website. So make yes. sure you take a look. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.